Are you a professional woman who wants to create passive income streams and financial freedom through real estate investing? Join us here on Real Estate Investor Goddesses, hosted by Monique Holm. Listen to women who are rocking it in real estate investments as they share their stories of success, failures, and best advice in real estate investing. Start creating real wealth through real estate. Tune in today. Here's your host, real estate investor, syndicator, and developer, Monique Holm. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, I interview badass women real estate investors, women who are crushing it in the real estate investing space. And my guest today is certainly no exception to that. Tamar Hermes is a full-time real estate investor, educator, and money coach. She's the CEO and founder of Wealth Warrior Women, where she guides women to become financially free through real estate investing and creating an empowering relationship to money. So this is so important as I work with women around real estate investing. It is a money game and that, like getting clear about money is so important. So I'm super excited to have her here and talk about this. So Tamar is a contributing blogger on Bigger Pockets, and she recently appeared on the podcast. She has an extensive portfolio and coaches clients across the country. I feel like she's a soul sister, one about like wanting to support women in real estate and she supports women to be free to choose how to spend their time and have the means to afford whatever they want for themselves, their families, and others. She believes real estate investing is the best way to grow wealth. Recently, she was uh, in my neck of the woods. She was recently in Los Angeles, but relocated to Austin, enjoying small city life and no state taxes. A little jealous about the tax situation. <laughs> Happy to have her. Welcome, Tamar. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I know you have an interesting past. You know, one of the part of your history is you are the child of a Holocaust survivor, which my husband is as well. And you said you grew up poor and you had no idea how people got rich. So how did you get into real estate investing? How did you go like, get into this? Uh, yep. I think that I always was looking at people that had money and wondering, how did they get there? I just thought people that have money are born that way. And that's what it is, that your lot in your life is your lot in your life. And so as I was trudging through and really working towards wanting more for myself, I was an executive in television and I had saved a certain amount of money and just still felt kind of like I was trudging through life and wanted an easier way. And so I just figured out that if I could not pay rent, then I could save on that bottom line. And it seemed that real estate was a good idea because I really had no idea. I just thought I lived in this really cute area in LA. And I remember the landlord, he was in entertainment and he used to, I used to give him a check every month. So I thought, well, what if somebody was giving me a check? I like that. So that's when I bought my first duplex and realized this is pretty smooth. Nice. So you started with a duplex in LA. So you wouldn't have to pay rent and somebody else would pay you rent. How did you move on from there? Well, I started buying more properties in Los Angeles, which is where I lived for many years. And I was doing my thing. I had a company at that time after I had left entertainment industry and started another company. So I was doing well. My husband's a director. He was doing well. And so we just kept buying pretty much. So when we'd see a property, we'd buy it. When we were offline, Monique, you and I were just saying, 
LA is not the best place for cash flow. It never has been. It never will be. But it is a great place for appreciation. Now, while you know, as an educator of investing, I wouldn't necessarily say buy for appreciation. But if you're in for the long haul and you know that you're going to just put your money into properties and leave them there and that they will pretty much, you know, they will take care of themselves. They might not cash flow, but at least you can break even. And then eventually they will because, you know, your rents go up. So we did a lot of that. And then ultimately we ended up uh, selling our portfolio when we came to Austin. And now we're investing in Texas mostly and also across the country in syndications. I started actually started selling some properties a couple of years ago in LA. And like I said, it's the kind of thing where it didn't pay a lot as we went, but I realized I wanted to change my strategy from an appreciation to cash flow because it was in a different, I kind of felt like I was moving into a different chapter. And so I wanted to really hike up the cash flow. It was really easy to just sell a couple and just change the assets. So. And what did you change into? You said you're doing some syndications, you changed your market. So what are you... Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a real estate professional. So that means that I have to be active for a certain amount of hours a year. So I need to be managing a certain amount of properties. So I bought some single family homes, which I love, which I just, I think they're just a great mainstay in a portfolio. Just, you know, you can pretty much get rid of them almost any time. They're pretty easy to manage. I got a couple more Airbnbs. So I have those. And then the rest is investments across the country it's mixed. It's uh, mobile home parks, it's storage units, it's multifamily, it's uh, Airbnbs that I have with partners. It is also now expanded into crypto, into cannabis, into businesses. So I like to really have a well-rounded portfolio because I think that if one investment doesn't go, then you've got 30 other that will, you know, it's a balancing game. We can't think that everything's going to make us the kind of returns that we are projecting because it's unpredictable. And so I really try to mitigate that by expanding the portfolio. Let me ask you a question. This is one of my favorite questions because I find that we get so much more when things don't work out than when they do. So what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? (laughs) Wow. Uh, Lots of mistakes. It's interesting. The biggest mistake, you know, and I'm somebody also, because we were also talking about all the mindset work and work that we've done to develop ourselves. So I do look at mistakes as opportunities, although it doesn't feel like that as I'm going through it. It feels like, oh, I'm so mad. Um, You know, there have been, I would say the biggest mistakes haven't really been real estate mistakes. They've been more mistakes where I hired professionals, people with credentials next to their names that were referred to me and they started selling me annuities or certain kind of investment vehicles that really served them more than it served me. I recently hired a CPA and he's great, very high-end CPA, but I realized We weren't on the same page in a lot of, with the tax code and with finance, there's always a lot of ways to go. And so, you know, those kinds of things really sting because I don't have control over them. And because then I have to unwind everything. So you get into a deal with somebody or you buy these certain annuities and you realize this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand what happened here. Then you got to get out of it. And then you got to deal with the institutions and the thing, you know, it's just, kind of a mess. So I would say those are the things that hurt, that sting the most when I'm in control. That's the reason why I do the work I do now, because I feel like 
I've made the most money managing my own portfolio. And I feel like women should understand what is going on with their money and how to make money on their money. That I think is critical because otherwise you're like handicapped. Like I give my money to to somebody, they're taking 2% of my money and then they're making 5% for me, which means they're leaving me with 3%, which means they're barely getting me out of inflation. And But they're telling me that it's safe. They're telling me, you, but you won't lose your money. You won't lose your money. Well, guess what? Most real estate investments, if you do them, if you look at your numbers, if you pick proper sponsors and that are vetted, that understand what they're doing, and you look at the deal and make sense to you, the likelihood of you losing money, I think, is not that great. So to me, you know, I make 10, 20% on my money annualized. I'd much rather make that than maybe make three, maybe, depending on what kind of deal, what kind of vehicle they decide to put me in that'll make them the most money. Yeah. And then that's the generalization because I know there are people that are very ethical and do it very well. And I know maybe even those people were acting in my best interest. But to me, anyone that's selling me something that's going to make me maybe 3% on my money, but they're still making 2% regardless of what anything happens. I don't know. It doesn't sound so sweet. I don't like that either. And I don't know if, I don't necessarily think people mean badly, but maybe that's all they're taught. And often that's, they have this small limited menu of things that they can offer you. They'll, they and their companies will win, but you know, regular people, not so much. This is why I prefer investing in Main Street versus Wall Street and other like, kind of fancy vehicles. So in terms of that mistake, right? Extended day is one. What did you learn from it? What would you do differently? It's interesting because I've been dealing with another scenario. And it's a thing like you learn, but it happens again and again. Sometimes we need to get the lesson over and over. So what I've learned is that even when a trusted recommendation comes in, I still need to vet it. This feeling like we want to get it done. We want to move on to the next thing. We don't want to get bottlenecked into like, oh, I have to call, you know, another person to check, to see if this is, I mean, this happens even on a very simple basis in terms of, you know, when we rent our units to renters, how much do we vet? Do we just say, oh, they seem like they're nice. They got to get credits for, okay, you know, let's rent to them. That maybe that's not enough. You know, you need to call the old landlords. You need to call their job. You need to verify employment. You know, it's the same kind of thing at a different level. So I think that these days, even when I get a trusted recommendation, I still, I vet the heck out of everything. And the reason is, is just because I feel like I'm doing the work on the forefront. So I don't have to do it on the back end because on the back end, it hurts a lot more because it usually costs me money and costs me time. And I can't get either of those back. Well, it's money I can get back, but it's still, I mean, who wants to lose money? You have to, yeah. Earn it back in a different way. So due diligence is super important for sure. What are you most proud of? Hmm. You know, when I look at my life and where I came from to where I am, I'm most proud of the heart that I put into it, the determination that I put into my life. I feel like I show up every day and I really want to get the most out of my life. I want the life I want to have. Sometimes I don't even know what that is, but I know, you know, I want more or I want feel a certain way, or I want to look outside my window and see a certain view. So there's things that I really am, that I really have visualized that I've created in my life and like my family, my wealth, 
my friends, my health, because you know that takes work too. We have to take care of ourselves. So all those things I'm proud of. I'm proud that I wake up every day and regardless of what's going on, I show up, I give it my all. I don't always win. By far, I don't always win. And so I don't want anyone to think like, oh, wow, she's really, no, I don't. I do not always win. So, and I, what I mean by that is that, you know, it's hard sometimes, you know, I mean, I don't get the returns I want. I don't get the answers I want, but I keep going. So I'm proud of that. It's almost like I look at my, like the parent in myself, when we look at our little inner child, I look and I think, wow, good for you. Like you're parenting yourself pretty well. Cause you keep saying, it's okay. Keep going, keep going. Well, it sounds like even though not everything turns out perfectly all the time, you love your life. I yeah, I do. It's interesting. Cause I think I was somebody that was really used to chaos as a child. I had a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of arguments. There was a lot of stress. And I just thought sometimes when you're used to something like that, you think when it's quiet, you think, oh my gosh, like I'm not alive. I'm not doing anything. So I used to kind of create that a little bit because I thought that was what gave me my life. But as I calm down, it's peaceful. It's like, it's okay. This is, wow, okay. You know, this is good. Goddess, have you been sitting on the sidelines and you're now ready to get started investing in real estate? If so, join me for my free online training, how to get started in real estate investing as a busy professional woman. Go to tinyurl.com forward slash W-R-E-I-G to register for our complimentary training and to learn how to get investing in real estate like a goddess today. See you there. So to what do you attribute your success? I attribute my success to what I was just sharing and that I always get back up. The one thing my parents taught me, they didn't teach me how to make money. They didn't teach me a lot about, hey, you can do anything or positive mindset. It was like also generational and they didn't learn that. They didn't know how to teach me it. My parents had a rough childhood too, but they did teach me how to survive. And it's like when you're in the ring, you know, as long as you get back up, you're still playing. So I just think that that's what I attribute my success to is that no matter what, I just keep going. I just keep on, okay, I'll do better tomorrow or not yet or whatever it is. And then before you know, when you keep that up, like you really start to, you know, you also get those wins along the way and it's pretty darn good. It's pretty good. I wish I would have seen it sooner because I think that in a lot of ways, I think I was financially free for years before I even really recognized, you know, I even acknowledged it. I was just so in the like, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? And then I was like, hang on, hang on a second. Like, what am I doing here? And so it's an interesting journey that we're all on in terms of, you know, where are we all heading? kind of thing. And it's good to stop once in a while and ask yourself because you certain places you might have thought you were going, you may already have been there and actually passed that road. Yeah. So sounds like for you is really this perseverance and grit and like certain amount of hustle that has gotten you this much success. And now it's partly it's learning to appreciate it and celebrate it and recognize it too when it happens. Yeah. And, you know, I think also when you're like a creative, excited person, and when you realize that so much joy comes when we're connecting and when we're helping other people, that it doesn't stop. It's just like a new door opens. And then there's a bunch more where it's like, oh my gosh, okay, we get to dissect all this and do all this. So yeah, it is though important to take that time, no matter where you're at. 
to kind of just take your time to realize, okay, you know, I acknowledge myself. What advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? Oh gosh. Yes. 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 Well, I think when we start out with anything and we don't know things, especially for women, there's been studies recently that have been done about how women will only apply for a job when they have hundred percent of the qualifications, whereas men will apply if they have 60%. It's like, we're like, we got to know, we got to know. So, and it makes it so uncomfortable. We won't even try if we don't feel like we were hundred percent there. So I think that the advice that I would give is just know that if you're in the process, you're going to keep moving. Things are going to happen for you. It feels daunting when you're climbing a hill, you feel, how am I going to get up there? But you have to give yourself the grace to keep moving. And this coach that I worked with, I don't remember who even said it, but you you want to look down and see how far you've climbed, not look up and see how much further you have to go. So, you know, wherever you're starting, you're here now and you realize that you want to get going. So I would say just get going. And if you need the support, get the support. Don't try to be a hero. And with real estate investing, I think, or any kind of money-making venture, you can't really be that cheap with yourself. You can't think like, oh, you know, I don't want to spend $5,000 on this or 200 on that because you got to get used to that. Because in real estate, it's like that all the time. It's like you buy a house, it's like, oh, now we got to redo the wall. It's going to be another 500. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. And this, you got to get used to that. You got to spend money to make money. Yeah. Um, what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? <laughs> I think about this all the time. I'm all right. I want to turn back the clock every day. And there are so many things that I wish I would have known that I still, I feel like, like I said, I keep making the same mistakes, which is that, you know, I feel like I need to, I need to get to the next thing. So I feel like I won't vet things enough. And I think that that can get me into trouble. So I haven't had that problem with tenants. I'm pretty good about that. It's funny because, I mean, that is a big thing, but, you know, I also feel like there are big things where I just think, oh, you know, it'll work itself out and then it, it turns into a problem. So I would be a little more cognizant of that. I would also realize that there were times in my life where I thought, oh, I'll never find a husband. I'll never be financially free. I'll never have the things I want to have. And it felt so far away. And now I look at it and I'm like, wait, check, 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 check. So I guess I wish I would have said like, just believe, believe you can do it, you know, and it'll happen kind of thing. So that's what I would, that's something that I think I would definitely wish that I would have had the strength to think about those things so that I would have more grace along my journey. Or faith that you'll get to where you want to go. Beautiful. Before we get into our famed end of show Trinity, which is a brag of gratitude and a desire, tell us how people can connect with you. Oh, yeah, sure. So you can visit my website at wealthwarriorwoman, W-O-M-A-N.com or find me on Instagram at wealthwarriorwoman. That's a great way too. So time for our trinity, our brag of gratitude and a desire. What is one thing you're celebrating right now? What is your brag? Ah, what is my brag? So I think there's so many great things to brag about. But I will say I'm going to brag about the fact that I am super healthy. I feel really good about that because I realize that at the end of the day, 
especially right now, we're seeing a lot of, you know, Oprah Winfrey came out with the documentary about people that are have depression, or there's a lot of people that are in chronic pain. When I was at my masseuse, she was saying that a lot of people come for chronic pain. So I just want to brag about the fact that I'm just take care of my body and my health and honor it. And I just think that's a really great, great thing. Well bragged. And what's one thing you're grateful for? I'm so grateful for my family. I am really blessed to have a really positive and inspired bunch that I, my three kids and my husband, and just to feel that uh, really loved and accepted by them. I really enjoy that. I really am grateful for that. Beautiful. Last but not least, what's one thing you desire? Ah, desire. Uh, <laughs> It's so interesting because, you know, sometimes I'm racing somewhere and I realize, like, why do I even want that? Why am I thinking that? So right now, I'm kind of desiring, for whatever reason, a little haven in another country. I was just talking about the fact that I'm looking at buying a tiny house in Nicaragua. And I don't know why, but I desire that. It's actually probably going to happen in the next hour or so, because I literally just need to sign my documents. So, um, but that's what I desire right now. All right. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Exactly. That'll be exciting (laughs) and evidently happening very, very soon. (laughs) Well, that's the thing too, right? There's certain urges that you get that don't leave you for whatever reason. And I think I know that you do so much intuitive work and getting in touch with the feminine. And I think it's hard to trust that. It's hard to know because there's so many things coming at us all the time. And so I feel like when something stays with me and there's this kind of center in myself where it feels like a clean line of something that just feels like, whoop, yep, that's it. Then I kind of just go for it. Well, you said sometimes it's hard to trust that. I've just learned over time that whenever I ignore that, bad things happen. And when I trust it, good things happen. So I don't have any trouble trusting it anymore. When I get that guidance, it's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll do it. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And it's interesting too, even last night we had this, a friend of mine was doing a concert outside in Austin where I live and it was raining here, pouring rain. And right before at 7.50, the show started at eight, right before it just completely dried. And she just said, I've never been rained out. I have never been in my whole career rained out. And it was almost like this connection with the universe that I thought, wow, how powerful is this? Like where you can just kind of state it, like this does not happen universe. I'm talking to you and this is what I'm desiring right now. And then all of a sudden it was dry and it didn't rain for the rest of the night. It was just magical, but it was a great example of just, you know, when you kind of just really hone it in and connect with it. It's all that whole feeling that the universe can work with you. Really cool stuff. So beautiful. This was such a fun conversation, Tamar. Thank you. You can connect with Tamar at Wealth Warrior Woman, singular woman, wealthwarriorwoman.com. There you can find out, you can connect with her, find out more about what she offers. Connect with me at reigoddesses.com. There you can get into our investor club, find about our passive investing opportunities to find out about our events, like our upcoming wealthy real estate event and our programs and just connect to this incredible community of women goddesses from all over the world. 
definitely subscribe and like this podcast so you don't miss another amazing real estate investor podcast interview. Bye-bye. Bye. You have just listened to another episode of Real Estate Investor Goddesses, a show dedicated to sharing stories of women creating real wealth through real estate. If you found value on what you just heard, feel free to share with your friends. Visit us at reigoddesses.com to learn more about our programs and live events, as well as to access other resources. Until next time.